will come up and bring the message tonight, Pastor Brent Walker. Awesome. Oh, Suzanne. Thank you. Whew. Okay. We had a great time earlier today. We had our meet, greet, and eat, and we had, I don't know, about 20 people there just uh, sharing the vision, uh, core values, uh, blazing fire, and um, that's always fun. Um, I like our core values. Um, core values are just those things that are just non-negotiables things here like like uh, believing that the father really loves us believing that um, we value Holy Spirit having freedom here Uh, we value honoring each other and seeing the treasures in one another just things that that make this culture this family um, a a good place to be a healthy growing place to be Uh, David I appreciate your word a lot that was very timely um, really, really good. And I'm wondering, Nori, when you shared about the, you know, the cutting open, um, the ribbon cutting, you know, something again, new and, um, I'm not actually sharing the vision. I shared that earlier today, the church vision, but, but in a sense, um, where, where I'm going tonight is just, um, I, I believe for all of us, God is inviting us into a, a new place of, of co-laboring with him to go after our dreams um, probably about a month or two ago, I'm not sure which now, um, I spoke two weeks in a row about being entrepreneurial sons and daughters of the king. I talked about, about that quite a bit. And um, honestly, I'm in a season where God is, is um, expanding me, shifting me more and more to see um, his kingdom every, everywhere, to see what he sees not to be locked in this world system. Let me put it that way. And, um, you know, this is a journey for all of us. What, what, what I'm going to share with you, some of what I'm going to share with you tonight, I'm still learning as I share it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm learning with you. But we can't stay where we are to get where he has us going. We have to be moving with him. And, um, and, and really the big, the big shift is mostly how we're perceiving things. That's the big shift that's going on. Because the world, there's always going to be stuff going on in the world. What's changing is the bride of Christ is waking up to, to Papa's, uh, his words, his affection, but also just his way of seeing things. He's inviting us into his world. So um, today, tonight, I'm, I want to talk about um, running into your dreams. Uh, I want to give you permission again. I do this a lot here to give you permission to dream and go after your dreams. But this week and next, um, I want to actually look at a lot of the kingdom principles for how we are co-laboring with God. Um, and uh, it starts with a dream because he places dreams inside of us. And, and, but we do have to go after those dreams with him. And um, specifically, 
I want to talk about, and probably a lot more next week. It's like tonight I want to whet your appetite a little bit, and then next week go in even deeper with some of the, the kingdom principles of how uh, the kingdom operates in this world system with things like money. Um, we don't talk a lot about money, and yet to go after our dreams, for most of us, we're going to need some money. And, and that belongs to, that's this world system. God doesn't have money. He has answers. He has wisdom. He has everything you need um, to be brilliant. Um, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. And, um, and again, that's an area I have not talked a lot about in the past. But God keeps, like, almost, I don't know, not egging me on, but he is really challenging me. Like, come on, son. We're going to new places of brilliance because you've got to, you all, have, we've got to go after our dreams. Um, I want to start by sharing this uh, very cool story with you. Um, this was actually uh, Pastor and Elder Russ Folkler sent it to uh, all the elders. Um, and uh, it's by Joel Runyon. It's a, it, it's a, uh, um, a blog that he had. And uh, I was very moved by this. I, I just thought, oh, this is, this is good. This is a great way to start. Actually, before I do that, though, I'm going to stop and pray. Uh, so as I'm drinking, Lord, <laughs> we're in agreement that you are a cool drink of water to our souls. To our spirits, you are refreshing. You are, you are what we need. God, we don't need um, a lot of words. We don't need our ideas. We need you. <laughs> we need you, and we love you. So we're just asking, Holy Spirit, would you tenderize our hearts? Would you keep revealing more and more and more of the Father's uh, passion, the Father's love, the Father's desire for us as His kids to be what He's created us to be, to go after the dreams He's placed inside of us. Would you breathe life into those dreams and cause us to pick them up and run after them again? In Jesus' name, amen. So let me just read this to you. I just thought this was great. I sat down at yet another coffee shop in Portland, determined to get some work done, catching up on some emails and writing another blog post. About 30 minutes into my working, an elderly gentleman, at least 80 years old, sat down next to me with a hot coffee and pastry. I smiled at him and nodded and looked back at my computer as I continued to work. Do you like Apple? Just seeing if this was one. Do you like Apple? As he gestured to the new MacBook, the new MacBook Air I had picked up a few days prior. Yeah, I've been using them for a while, wondering if I was going to get suckered into a Mac versus PC debate in a Portland coffee shop with an elderly stranger. Do you program on them? Well, I don't really know how to code, but I write quite a bit and spend a lot of time creating online projects and helping clients run their businesses. And then the, the older man goes on. He says, I've been against Macintosh Company lately. They're trying to get everyone to use iPads, and when people use iPads, they end up just using technology to consume things instead of making things. With a computer, you can make things. You can code, you can make things and create things that have never before existed and do things that have never been done before. That's the problem with a lot of people, he continued. They don't try to do stuff that's never been done before, so they never do anything. But if they try to do it, they find out there's lots of things they can do that have never been done before. 
I nodded my head in agreement and laughed to myself, thinking that that would be something that I would say. And the coincidence that out of all the people in the coffee shop I ended up talking to, it was this guy. What a way to open a conversation. The old man turned back at his coffee, took a sip, and then he looked back at me. In fact, I've done a lot of things that haven't been done before, he said, half smiling. Not sure if he was simply toying with me or not, my curiosity got the better of me. Oh, really? Like, what types of things? All the while half thinking he was going to make up something fairly non-impressive. I invented the first computer. Um, excuse me? I created the world's first internally programmable computer. I used, I used to take up, uh, sorry, it used to take up a space about as big as this whole room, and my wife and I used to walk into it to program it. What's your name? I asked, thinking that this guy is either another crazy homeless person in Portland or legitimately who he said he was. Russell Kirsch. Sure enough, after 0.29 seconds, I found out he wasn't lying to my face. Russell Kirch indeed invented the world's first internally programmable computer and, and as well as a bunch of other things and definitely lives in Portland. As he talked, I began Googling him He read my mind and he volunteered, here, I'll show you. He stood up and he directed me to a variety of websites and showed me through the archives of what he'd created while every once in a while dropping some minor detail like, I also created the first digital image. It was a photo of my son. At this point, I learned better than to call Russell's bluff, but sure enough, a few more Google searches showed that he did just that. Here's... Here's a picture of the two of them. And, and in his blog, because I'm reading his blog right now, um, Joel Runyon, he says, uh, underneath this picture, he says, want to mess with your mind? Without the man in the photo, the photo of this man wouldn't exist. Mind blown. As he started showing me through the old history archives of what he did, while any hope of productivity vacated my mind as I listened to his stories and picked his brain about what he had done, at some point in the conversation, I mentioned to him, you know, Russell, that's really impressive. I guess I've always believed that, this is Russell talking now, the, the old man, I guess I've always believed that nothing is withheld from us what we have conceived to do. Most people think the opposite that all things are withheld from them which they have conceived to do, and they end up doing nothing. Wait, I said, pausing at his lessons. What was that quote again? He said, nothing is withheld from us what we have conceived to do. That's good. Who said that? God did. What? Yeah, God said it. And there were only two people who believed it. You know who? Nope, who? God and me. So I went out and I did it. Well then, I thought, as he finished showing me through the archives, I'm not going to argue with the guy who invented the computer. After about 20 minutes of walking me through his contributions to technology, he sat down, finished his coffee, glanced at his half-eaten pastry, now cold, checked his watch and announced, well, I have to go. With that, we shook hands He got up, 
walked to his car and drove off as I just sat there trying to figure out what exactly had just happened. As I sat there thinking, two things he said reverberated in the back of my mind. Nothing is withheld from us, which we have conceived to do, and do things that have never been done. The first meaning, if you've conceived something in your mind, decide to do it and are willing to put in the work, nothing can stop you. The second is fairly self-explanatory, but carries the extra weight of it coming from the guy who invented the very thing that's letting me type these words out on the internet. Do things that have never been done before. Yes, sir. It's time to step it up. I just wanted to start with this because um, truly when God, when God says nothing's impossible for you, that's exactly what he means. But that's coming from the one who, who has no impossibilities, the one who lives inside of you. See, you've heard me say this a lot of times, but I want to say it again because I really mean it. This is, this is not for everybody else in the room except you. This is for everybody here. You are God's success story. Not someday, but right now. Because you're in the middle of a journey and he's taking you somewhere and he's taking you somewhere that is impacting lives along the way and he's taking you into a place where you are actually along with him co-laboring and coming up with creative solutions to certain problems that exist in the world, at least a problem that exists in the person you're talking to. But he is intended, he already told you that you are his ambassador. He didn't say that you will be his ambassador. He didn't say once you get your act together and once you get enough schooling, you know, once you really know what I'm all about, you'll be my ambassador. No, he says, you are my ambassadors. And mostly... Mostly we're to be reconcilers. We, we, we're, we're to be, uh, spread the message of reconciliation, which means, in a nutshell, we tell people, God is for you. That's what reconciliation means. God's for you. Now, what that looks like and, and how you go out and make a difference in this world has everything to do with the dreams he's placed inside of you, with the makeup of your personality, of the things you enjoy doing. Sometimes we push off the things we enjoy doing because we're like, well, that's not God. You know, I just like working in my scrapbook or, you know, playing the flute or whatever it is. That can't be God. I got to get on to real things. He says, no, why don't you take the things that I put inside of you that you love doing and start using them for the good of people and, t- and ask me for creative ideas and downloads as to how to make a difference in this world. So... Live like someone left the gate open. Come on. (laughs) You have some living to do. You get to run. You get to play with God. I don't know if you know this, or really get this yet, but he, God actually wants you to enjoy life. 
You're supposed to have a good time. I'm not saying every second of every day is a wahoo moment. I get it. But honestly, if you are if you are working yourself to the bone or if you're if you're just exhausted beyond measure because you because you're just not enjoying things and it's just stress and all the time take a look ask God to take a look at your life with you and say God, how can I enjoy life more? In fact, I'm just this is just some fatherly advice here. If you're working too hard for too long, it's time to take a longer break than you would normally give yourself. Hey, that's just a really good word right there. You know why? Because there's rhythm, there's balance in the kingdom. And sometimes I get it. Sometimes we have to jump in and do some really hard work for a while. We have to. But when that's your life all the time, that, that actually wasn't what the Lord intended. And sometimes it's in the play and the rest when you start coming up with the creative ideas because now you're not so exhausted and you're not just, you know, getting the next thing done. Sometimes you just need some downtime to hear from the Lord when you're not even thinking about it. I, I hear some great, I hear great answers from him sometimes when I'm not even pressing him for an answer. I know that sounds weird to press God for an answer, but you know what I mean. You go into a time with the Lord and you want to know a certain thing and, the other day, you know, I was spending time with the Lord, wanting to know some certain things. And you know what? He, he started talking to me about my own heart <laughs> and how I, can, how I can be more free by just releasing everybody. This is, I'll just tell you, this is totally aside from the message. But what he was telling me is, you have Jesus' heart. That means, I, and, and his authority, I get to, with Jesus' authority, say to anybody who I may have any offense with to say, in the authority of Jesus, I declare you innocent. Do you know how freeing that was? He just went. Whew, whew, whew. I wasn't approaching him for that reason. He says, I got a great idea for you because this is going to make you feel really good. It was, it was awesome. I told you that had nothing to do with today's message. I just thought I'd share that with you for free. Um, Jesus paid for you to thrive, not just survive. That was on my Twitter today. <laughs> I tweeted some of you today. Jesus paid for you to thrive, not to survive. I'm, to, yes, not just to survive. What I here just a scripture from John ten ten. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So again, if you're just getting by, if you're just you know scraping to man just another day of survival. I understand occasionally if you just get, make it through a day and you're still standing, that's a, you know, that's a good thing. There's sometimes where you just need to stand, but as a way of living, no, no, no. He wants you to, he wants you to enjoy all that's yours and to co-labor with him, to dream with him, to say, wow, God, what, what difference can I make? What have you put inside of me that I get to, that I get to release to the world? Now I want to talk about money just for a second. Um, we have most Christians just have really unusual relationship with money. Um, it's almost like we just don't know what to do with it. You know, we're like, well, we don't really want to talk about it because you can't can't love money. That's not good, which is true. Um, and um, and so but wait a minute, I need money. And God, you know, we get it's just weird. We get into this thing. So I have this yes and no, because the weirdness with the yes is 
that sometimes we believe money is going to fix all my problems. I asked you guys this a month ago. I said, how many of you actually believe that if you just had enough money, it would solve your problems? You know, that that would be the answer. Really? I'm letting you think about that one. Because honestly, we all have been there at different times. If only someone wrote me a check for this, life would be great. Wahoo. You know what wahoo is? It's when, it's, when, it's, when Je- it's when Jesus said to his disciples, Hey, don't get so thrilled that the demons submit to you in my name, but get thrilled that your names are written in heaven, that God knows you by name, that you're mine. See, that's wahoo. And that has nothing to do with a check. I guarantee you that check could come, and guess what? The next day there's something else that's troubling you. One place you're going to get joy. One place you're going to get satisfaction that's in the lord it's not just in the lord like it's not just a phrase like well yeah god's there cool no as you enjoy him as you learn to actually relate to him as you experience how much he adores you that's where you get to park it that's that's the place so the one side is okay all right brent you convinced me again okay i won't think about money well then there's the other part the no that's really weird is um, we, we think it's wrong to make lots of money. A lot of Christians. You know, uh, you'll hear like, well, that's just the Bless Me Club or uh, what else? The, you know, prosper mes- prosperity message that's gone awry. And um, so we, we have these weird extremes and we're like, how do we navigate this thing? So I want to talk about that in a minute. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You'd all say, yep, that's right, you can't. Um, I want to read to you from a book. Actually, I want to recommend a book to you. And then I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Gary Kesey, Money uh, Money Mysteries from the Master. Obviously, the Master being Jesus. That's the, that's the master. Um, I heard about Gary Kesey through um, Leif Hetland. Remember Leif being here? And suddenly he has great favor to preach to tens of thousands who are coming to the Lord. And, um, and seeing great miracles, uh, many of which are coming just because he's ushering in the Father's love. And as, as it's coming in, people are getting massively healed. Why am I telling you all that? Because, because when Leif came, he was starting to challenge me and us as a leadership team about this whole area of, of being brilliant and making money for the sake of the kingdom. How often have we heard the, um, and believe me, Leif is not a money-hungry guy. In the, he could care less about money, really. In, in the sense of it making him happy. He is a happy camper in the Father's love. That's why this is such a good story. Be, because I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a point here. You, you, you can have both. You can be massively in love with the Lord. And he is your reason for existence. And he's your happiness and your joy. And he can give you brilliance to make a lot of money for the sake of the kingdom. When we have heard these Uh, We've heard a lot, I have heard a lot of prophecies over the last decade especially about 
the wealth of the wicked, you know, coming into the church using a lot of the Old Testament scriptures, right? And, um, and, and somehow we're thinking, okay, you know, at some point, all these people who are totally against God, God's just going to go like this to their hand and they're going to write these checks for $3 million and then he's going to make their hand go like this and then hand it to us. <laughs> kind of like that's what's going to happen. Where instead, um, what's happening is Christians all over the world, and this is happening in greater and greater numbers, and not just in the church mountain, but in business and everywhere else, the medical field, everywhere else. God's giving them brilliant ideas of ways to help people that's also generating income that's turning around and being used for, for the sake of winning millions and millions Helping the poor, yes, but also um, you know doing things that are that are that are literally pouring into the the, the cause of the kingdom of bringing in um, bringing in sons and daughters into the kingdom. Who's paying for all that? Well, let's just say you have an internet business. It's kind of coming from everywhere, isn't it? Guess what? A lot of that money is coming from people who do not believe, and you're and you're doing things that are helping people, and they're paying you for it, and you're turning right around and using it for the sake of the kingdom. So that's kind of my point tonight. And before I read this, one of the things that, that Gary really is trying to drive home is he says most Christians, a lot of Christians, let me put it this way, that he talks to, a lot of them who are in really bad financial straits, they have this belief that, um, that, they're gonna, that they ask God, you know, um, God, I need this, and, and, and uh, then they wait and they're expecting it to fall out of trees. Or, um, you know, and, and can God move this way? Yes, he can. In fact, I'm going to tell stories of both tonight. Yes, God can put it on somebody's heart to bless you. Not saying that can't happen. But most of the time, he co-labors with us. And, and what Gary's saying in this book is, when you, when you run, are running up against a problem financially, to see this as an intersection of opportunity where God's going to give you some brilliant counsel as you ask him for it. But here's the deal is you actually have to act on it. See, he's going to give you ideas. And I don't know what, because I'm talking to you know a bigger crowd, I don't know all that's going on in your life and I don't know how he's going to do it. So I have to use kind of just general terms. But he's going to give you some really brilliant solutions. The thing is, sometimes they're going to seem a little weird, a little different. And, and it's going to require courage to actually step out and take some steps towards it. But if you know it's God, or you, I would even say if you think it's God, because you could say, well, how do I know that I know that I know? Okay, if you think it's God, why don't you take some steps towards it? Um, because usually that's, that's the way he operates. Um, let, me, let, me just use, let me just show you this. Um, I, I want to remind you, this is, first of all, I'm just going to paint a picture. Some of you have heard me uh, teach this before, but it's totally worth hearing again. Um, he is a papa who loves to take care of his kids. The thing is, he doesn't own money. I'm, I'm just, I know that was kind of a silence there. He doesn't own money. That's not, the money is actually from this world system. He, he is Lord of all for sure. Um, and I'm not saying again that he can't have someone write you a check or something, but, but what he has is all the answers that you need. 
And he's more than happy to share his secrets. In fact, he's not hiding them from you. He's hiding them for you. He's hiding them for those who want to seek him. Again, the point is not, has, this has nothing to do with being money hungry. has nothing to do with um, you thinking that money is going to make you happy because it won't. But this has to do with God saying, if you'll come to me, together we're going to partner, and I can use the world system, but you've got to know my kingdom, how my kingdom operates. Okay? So it's partnering with him. I'm going to share more and more about this. So, and I told you, just some today and more next week. God, this is 2 Corinthians 9.8 from the something New Testament. The source, thank you. Thank you. I wanted to give credit and I couldn't think of what it was. The source, New Testament. I'll talk about that word, Corregos, in, in a moment. God has the power. This is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 and 10. God has the power to cause all kinds of gifts to overflow to you so that you will be wealthy in all things at all times and will have much left over for every good work. See, this whole leftover, oh, I have to go back to this book that I did not read from yet. This is going to make more sense. I'll read it in a minute. So you'll have much left over for every good work. God, who fully supplies every single expense plus more to pay for the seed for the sower and to pay for all the expenses, all the expenses for the bread to the eater, will supply all the expenses to pay for as well as multiply the seed you sow and make the crops of your righteousness grow. Now, there's a ton of stuff in there, and I'm only going to unpack a little bit of it right now and more of it next week. But I want to go back up to the, to the, uh, the middle sentence there, right in the center. God who fully supplies every single expense plus more. That phrase comes from that word, korygos. Which is a Greek term. This is very cool. So it was a Greek term um, that in the, in the 4th or 5th century uh, was used... To, uh, as a word for the person who would pay for um, the elaborate Greek uh, theater. So there would be a theater that would, that would come and they were putting on a production. So somebody, somebody would vie for the privilege of paying for the whole thing. For the costumes, for the sets, the orchestra, whatever was needed. Huge expense, but they thought they considered it a great privilege. Those who had the money. So they vied for this opportunity to pay for it all. And at the end of this, of this drama, um, this person, this Skorogos, would come up and the whole place would rise in a huge standing ovation, applauding this one who paid for the whole thing. That's the word used here. So your father in heaven is paying for the entire drama called your life. Every bit of it. And he knows how to get you from here to there. And he promised that he would. And one day we are all going to stand up in a standing ovation to our Papa. Who not only got us there, but paid for it all just like he said he would. That's our God. Now let me, let me go back and read. Forgot to read now from this. Thank you. 
All right. So, here we go. So this was after I just read about you can't serve two masters, right? Essentially, what Jesus was saying is that you will serve the master you trust to meet your needs. There is no middle ground. All of your decisions will be based on the system you trust in. Because of this, most people make their decisions filtered through finding and keeping money. Let me say this very clearly. And by the way, this is a a spirit-filled believer, Christian. He shares some awesome stories in here. And um, definitely a spirit-filled believer. And um, he, his 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 life his financial life was completely awful, upside down, awful. Uh, before God started giving him the secrets to turning this thing around, which he's now shared with the world. Um, so he says, "Let me say this very clearly: until you fix the money thing, you will never find or discover your creative purpose." Now I know that's a, quite a statement. Whenever you hear a statement like that, just realize everybody carries their piece, their part of what they're bringing to the world, and whatever they carry feels very weighty. Like to me, Father's love solves everything because <laughs> that's the message I carry. So this guy's carrying, he is helping Christians and non Christians actually alike, but he's helping people understand kingdom principles. So just take that in mind because uh, I know that's quite a statement, but let me keep going. Until you fix the money thing, you will never find or discover your created purpose. As long as your decisions are wrapped around financial survival, you will never discover God's purpose for your life. And your money thing will never be fixed until you have more than enough money. Remember I just said more than enough? Plus some? I know that sounds impossible, but it's true. Until the financial pressure is gone, you cannot lift your head from the grindstone long enough to look at what is out there and why you are here on the earth. Then he talks about the Sabbath day and how God's intention, the Sabbath day was a picture of of the promise of resting. And um, uh, we were to to keep the Sabbath as a reminder of what God had really intended for humanity and what one day he would restore. Because I'm not going to go into all of it, but he talks about Adam and Eve and the rest that was supposed to be ours. But the Sabbath was a way of saying, until Jesus got here, a way of saying there's a rest that's coming. Um, and he says, the, you know, of course, on the Sabbath day, you can't do any work. You cannot toil. Because the curse was that you're going to work for and toil for everything, right? That was the curse. But God was already giving him a precursor of something different that was coming. He said, I don't want you working on the seventh day. How is that possible? Well, it has everything to do with the sixth day. Because on the sixth day, there was going to be a double anointing, a double portion. I'll take care of that for you so that you can rest on the seventh day. So here you go. Now, um, thus, having more than enough, this having more than enough concept was called the double portion. And it was really the only means of escape from the earth's cursed system of lack as it enabled rest on the seventh day. Do you see it? The Sabbath was a picture of what God had first created for man, where God himself had provided everything that man needed or ever would need, a place of more than enough. He had intended for people to live in that place of rest with him forever. 
But Adam lost the rest on the seventh day because he lost the provision of the sixth day, the completed creation of God. But God had a plan to bring mankind back into that place of provision and rest. And it was illustrated by the Sabbath day. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 tells us that the Sabbath day was a shadow of what God was going to someday restore back to people through Jesus Christ. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he was stating the same words that God had spoken back in Genesis when the earth was completed and everything was in place for humanity. Jesus paid the price for us to be redeemed back into God's family with all the benefits of being sons and daughters of God. We now have access to a new kingdom, a kingdom full of provision, which enables us to live above the earth-cursed system of lack and defeat. A kingdom of more than enough. All right. I want to tell a couple stories. Because while what I said is true, it helps sometimes to hear some stories to say, okay, what, you know, how, how, how can this happen? This first story, um, again, many of you have heard, um, but I'll tell it again. And uh, this happened when I was uh, in seminary. Uh, Suzanne and I were, had been married a couple years, and um, I was about two months away from graduating. And I had applied to many different churches as a pastor. And in several cases, I was even one of the last candidates, but I was not the one chosen. So suddenly I had this overwhelming feeling of dread, um, like, uh, crud, God, um, you know, I have a wife to support and I have no clue. I'm graduating in two months. I have not a clue what I'm going to do. Now, I was in the Presbyterian church back in the day when all this was taking place. And... In the Presbyterian church, what made matters worse is that I had two months to get a job. And see, the Presbyterian church was notoriously slow for choosing pastors, uh, which means that if I, was suddenly, if I got on their radar now with two months to go, um, they're going to take a whole year, year and a half to come up with. They have to go through this whole rigmarole of why they need a pastor for what reasons and pick all these people and narrow it down to this. And it takes a long time. I'm telling you that because it's going to come into play in a minute in this story. So I went to sleep one night, anxious about where I, what I was going to do. And, and as I was sleeping, um, Jesus approached me, came right up to me in the dream. And he asked me a question. He said, Brent, do you love me? And I said, you know that I do, Lord. And he said, don't worry. I have a place for you. And he reached out and he touched me. And as soon as he touched me, I lit up with this white electric heavenly glory, just bright white. And instantly, right then, I mean, I was in, I was in a sleep. This was a night dream. Instantly, I'm wide awake, lying on my bed, and I am still lit up with white light as I'm laying there. I can't explain how I know that. I mean, I just was. I was lit up with this white light. All I could do is sit there and weep and weep. And uh, wrote it in my Bible the next morning. Um, 
Here's the amazing thing is that two months later, I was in Pleasanton, California as the associate pastor of the Presbyterian church there. Honestly, Jesus went like this. There you go. I'm planting you right here. Happened to be just five miles away from Suzanne's family, which was awesome. We really wanted to be near them up in Northern California. Um, on there, and what had happened on the churches in was that um, they had gone through that long process that I already detailed you about. And uh, they came down to the grueling process, year, year and a half. They come down to their candidate. This is the one we want. They offered the job to him, and he said, sorry, I already took another job. And they're like, crud. Now what are we going to do? They were very disheartened, and so... They took a break. They pushed all the dossiers off the table. New stack. Hey, there's one right on the top. Who's this Brent guy? Give me a call. Now they're like, oh, we don't want to lose the next guy we want. And I said, well, I just happened to be up visiting Suzanne's parents next week. Come on over. We'll have lunch with you. Let's talk. That's kind of how it went. It was crazy. So I tell you that story because we're talking about we're talking about provision. We're talking about God partnering with us. Now, I had gone to college, which I needed to do in order to go to graduate seminary school. I took three years of graduate school. I was an intern at a church there. What's my point? I, I was very involved in the process. I didn't just become a pastor because Jesus touched me in a dream. Do you see what I'm saying? We have to take steps. I started going after a dream, and I took these very hard steps. It took a lot of work. And then in the midst of that, Jesus says, here you go. I'm planting you right here. So that's one. I could tell you a bunch more stories even about that, but that's one story. Now let me tell you a very different story. This is one. I said, you know, well, can't people just write you a check? Yes, they can, and that happens sometimes. So when we, were, when we planted the first church before this one, um, again, I was in a place, we had really stepped out. Because honestly, in the Presbyterian church, I was pretty taken care of. I was an associate pastor. It was a pretty large church. I never thought about where my next check was coming from. It just, it just appeared once a month. Oh, there it is. Cool. Didn't even think about it. In other words, I was very comfortable in my nest. Life was pretty good. And then without going into all the details, God just kind of did this to my nest, you know, like that. And, and got me very uncomfortable where I, had, where I got to explore new options with him. And um, <laughs> isn't that so, honey? That is so, so. <clears throat> so. We start, we plant a new church. We actually had the blessing of the other church to do that. <clears throat> we planted a new church, but wow, what a venture. It's like starting a new business, you know, sink or swim, it kind of feels like. Um, because you get out there and, okay, we're out here. There's, there's no automatic check coming this month. Um, <clears throat> and I remember, uh, again, just, wow, Lord, okay, I know that I know you told us to do this. We took the steps. Remember, I keep telling you, he'll give you dreams. You've got to go after them. You do have to take steps, but he will meet you there. He will if, you, if you'll take the courage to go for it. So we were out there, and I distinctly remember in our first condo in Pleasanton, I was upstairs at the top of the stairs, 
and opening this piece of mail and in it was a check from one of the couples in our church for $10,000. And I crumpled to the floor and wept because of God's goodness. Um, You know, now, and at different stages in our lives, he will do certain things to show you his faithfulness, but understand that he really honestly as big as we're allowing ourselves to dream is about this big compared to what he has for us. And, but, but for us, that's a big step. And he's going to show you at different times and in different ways. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to take care of you. But honestly, he wants us to open our gaze way up to here. Um, because, because, so this check was amazing. But now, in, you know, the, where things are now, it's like that we, we have this big of a vision and, and we have needs for this much money to hit that vision. And he still says, oh, you're thinking, you're doing good, but you're thinking way too small. My vision for you is way out here. It's, it's really big. Here, let me just share one more. This is my book. <sighs> Thank you, Todd. Daddy, you love me. It's coming out in about three weeks. Um, <laughs> it's it's currently being formatted. The cool thing about that that means all the editing and rewriting and everything is done. Why do, why do I bring this up as an example of, of co-laboring and, and God's provision? I'm, I'm bringing it up because, I remember I told you a while ago, I said, I said uh, how God wants to use you is actually to use the very things that you enjoy, the things that you already are, the way he's wired you. If, you, if you're here for very long at, at Blazing Fire, you know that um, I could talk about anything, but I'm always going to go back to talking about Daddy's passionate love for you. Because it's the message that I've been given to, to release to the world. And he's made that really clear to me. And over the years, I've written hundreds of emails, blogs. And along the way, people started saying, you know, this is really good stuff. Ever thought about writing a book? And at first, I'm like, oh, no, not really, you know. And after a while, you're like, well, maybe. Uh, well, you know, I think I'm supposed to. And along the way, you know, God starts making it clear um, that I'm supposed to write this book. Now, let me tell you, this is a really, this is a side story, but I want you all to hear this. I want to bring you in as family, okay? Um, when, you know, we've been asking the Lord for a building for several years. We've been hearing from God that it actually is his heart to do that. This is not our building if you're new here. This where we have been in other churches' facilities. Um, and not that we need a building. We, we're, we've existed for 12 years. We've, we've actually done amazing things in the kingdom without our own building. So we're not, I'm not feeling deficient uh, or less than. But God's, God's made it very real to us why, for him, he plans to do this for us. Um, so without going into all those details, I wanted to tell you this part of the story, which I don't think I've ever told you before. But over the last year or two, Whenever I've been asking the Lord about a building, he always lets me know two things. One is, it's coming, son. You know, it's almost there. But the second one is, 
Finish your book. Dead serious. Finish your book. God, what about the building? Oh, it's coming, son. Finish your book. So much so that this last year, uh, on four different occasions, I, I uh, took a week out of my, you know, a week straight just to seclude myself to go off and write. Believe me, it didn't get written in four weeks. That was, but that got me, you know, each time got me a big chunk. There's a lot of work involved in going after some dreams that God puts in front of you. In fact, if he'd have told me the whole thing ahead of time, I'm not sure I would have agreed to it. Because let me tell you, it's a lot of work. I, my learning curve about the book world is like out the roof. So if you want to know things about the book world, I can tell you things I did not know a year ago. But I'm really excited because now what God has shown me is, in a nutshell, that's awesome, son, and it's really not so much about the book. <laughs> you mean that book you wanted me to write? Yeah. It's, see, I'm thinking, oh, good, I wrote the book. That'll be my big you know, showpiece or whatever, you know, my message. And God says, oh, no, that's just round one. <laughs> that's not a showpiece. It's just a piece because you're alive to release a certain message. You all are alive to release a certain message. You have a song. You've got something in you that's got to get out. First of all, you have to first believe that it's valuable and worthwhile. You actually have to believe that what God put inside of you is necessary for other people to benefit other people. If you don't believe that, you're not going to go after your dreams. You won't do it. You'll find a hundred reasons why you might as well just go back to the grind. God doesn't want you to grind. He wants you to soar. You have to believe that what you have is worthwhile. And then, as you are praying through this and as you're trusting God to show you more, He's going to start showing you things and you've got to take some steps. And it's going to be hard work at times. There's going to be pushes at different times. Let me tell you, this book, oh my goodness, there were some pushes. Uh, just the last one was... Two weeks ago, I got the third and final edit back. And um, I, I just have to tell you, the person editing the book, um, David Sluka, amazing guy, publisher, editor, he, he really complimented me. He's, he is, he's read a lot of books. He's read books from, um, I'm sorry, helped authors like Patricia King and uh, Jim Gall and um, Ed Silvoso. And so, he's read a lot of big authors. He read my book and he said, Brent, I got to tell you something. This is really, really good. He said, I read a lot of manuscripts. And he said, you, you know, and honestly, I, I know it's sounding like I'm, you know, trying to heap it on myself. I'm really not. Like any of you, I sometimes need to know from people who, who know that this has value. And the more that they're saying it, I'm believing it. And it's like, oh, this is, this is going to change the world. This is not just a cool book that a few people are going to read. This is actually going to go around the world. Um, I've, put a, I've put a track, uh, a worship track, uh, a soaking CD, which is the Father's Blessing. And I, I'll, I'll play it for you some night. I, I don't think tonight. Um, the Father's Blessing, which is a five-minute soaking track. Uh, Carla Duncan and I did it, and I actually played flutes on it. It's really well done. It's, it's mastered. It's, it's, it sounds beautiful. That recording, um, I'm putting YouTube with it because it's going out to the world. This thing is, 
what I have inside of me is worth it. And God says, and it's not just a book and it's not just a, a, a soaking track. Um, it, it's, I won't, I won't even go into all this, but it's this son and it's this and it's this and it's this. I've got, I have a whiteboard now with, with thoughts and ideas. And it's almost like I just needed the first big thing to get out before I went, Oh my gosh. All of a sudden, I, I thought this was the end. Like, okay, if I could just get done with a book, I'll be done. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, son, this is the beginning of the party, you know, of getting the word out. Um, so I don't know what that looks like for you. doesn't mean you have to write a book. I, I don't know what it looks like for you. What I am saying is, in this time in history, it's really, really crucial that what you are alive for, you are about, you are doing. You're doing something about it with the Lord. It's really important. If you're feeling totally stuck and like your life is, is not making a difference and you're in the grind, stop. And instead of just, you know, hitting your head against the wall over and over again and wondering why it hurts, stop and ask the Lord, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Was I made for something else? Maybe you're, you're right where you're supposed to be, but he wants you to look at it in an entirely different way. He can have a lot of different answers. But you need to stop and ask him what you're alive for. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, there it is, at Brent Locker. I send out a, an encouragement every day. Um, and there's a website that's actually, thank you, Bill Hernandez, is actually live. It's, uh, it's not super developed yet, but, but my daily Twitter is on there. There'll be, there's a blog on there and book description. I have endorsements from... Cool people like Bill Johnson and, well, Chris Valentin did the foreword for the book, as you can see. Um, uh, Leif Hetland and Georgian and Danny Silk and um, Jack, what's that? Jack Taylor. Um, uh, just a lot of really cool people who like me. <laughs> a lot of them are our fathers or mentors of mine. Um, oh, speaking of mentors, Graham Cook was another one. Every time we get together with him, he challenges the heck out of us to get out of this, I'll just call it the, the, the church box, and, and start thinking, thinking big, thinking brilliantly. Um, we've, we have got the mind of Christ. We've got the Holy Spirit living in us, who's the, the greatest search engine in the world. So honestly, we have all the answers. Now I'm going to go back to what David said earlier, that therefore, if, if everything's inside of us, how do you gain access? Intimacy with the Lord. There, there is no other way. I'll just tell you that right now. You can read 20 books, and those books will help you, especially if you're asking the Holy Spirit to have those books help you. That, that's a great help right there. But... But honestly, you need to hear the Lord for you about you. Because even this book, can't, it's, it can't answer all everything. It's great. God's using it. But I have to ask him, God, what, what for me? So, so that's where you spend the time with the Lord. And, and when you spend time with God, um, just like any relationship, over time it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So don't be discouraged. If you, if you don't right away feel like, okay, I have all this list of 50 things I want to know from God. And he's, he's like, hey, how about you just come here and cuddle for a while? It's been a while. Let's just enjoy each other. 
But the more, and, and perhaps you don't feel God that much. That's okay. Keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Because I promise you, he, he does say he's a rewarder of those who seek him. He, he wants it so much more than you do. But see, it's not a quick fix. He doesn't want you just running to him when you have a problem, though he loves to help you with your problems. He's like, no, I want, I want you. You're the one I want. I want our hearts to be connected. I want us, I want us to do everything together. See, sometimes when we're feeling lonely and like, where's God? Well, it's because we're living our life without him. Every once in a while we go, oh, yeah, I guess I should check in. Am I doing okay, God? He's like, well, I'd really rather us do everything together. He, want, he, wants, to, he wants to help you with everything. Um, so where are we here? Um, I'm hoping this is the, the plan is for this book to be out at the uh, healing conference. We'll see. That's the plan. I'm, I'm almost done here tonight because, again, I'm going to share a lot more specifics about the, the, about the kingdom, uh, how the kingdom operates next week. But here's one of them. Transferring things, including money, from under the influence of this world system to the kingdom of God. I just want to talk to you about, about Jesus feeding the 5,000. What does he say to his followers? He says, his disciples, you know, everyone starts gathering. They're like, oh, bummer. You know, there's no Carl's Jr. in sight. Um, what are we going to do? And um, Jesus says, hey, why don't you feed them? And they're like, um, no, Lord, because that would take us working really hard for about eight months to feed this. That's what they said, to feed this many mouths. We don't see how that's possible. See, they were thinking in the world system. That's what the world system tells you. That's the way we're trained to think. If we were faced with the same dilemma, most of us would do the same thing. We'd start figuring it out in our brains. Um, cha-ching, ta-tun, ta-tun, carry the... Yeah, that's about eight months' wages. Lord, we're going to have to have them come back in eight months. And he says, okay, go tell them to get in groups and have a seat. Here's, here's how it's done. What do we got here? Oh, we have some loaves and fish. Okay, cool. Can, we, can I have those, please? Okay, thanks. And he says, all right. He says, okay. What he does is he takes them from the world's system that we're in, and he puts it under the Father's kingdom. See, because he has the authority to do that to bring things from this world system into the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there's no lack. In the kingdom, it's not about toil. It's about seeing what the Father sees and saying, Father, we, I bless. I bless what you've given. And the kingdom is all about increase. And so then they distribute the food, and somehow it keeps going and going and going. And, oh, yeah, the king, kingdom's about leftovers. It's about more than enough. We have, on, on a couple of occasions with our groups, uh, one was Lee many years ago in Oakland, a couple different occasions, we had multiplication of food. They weren't even asking for it. It just happened. They were out and they were, uh, one of them was, one of them was, uh, not sour cream, what was on top of the pie? Cool Whip, thank you. Cool Whip. And he's like, he only, without going into the whole story, they had oodles of pie and they had like one thing of Cool Whip, maybe two, because that's all he could find in a 7-Eleven store because he forgot all about it. And he's like, Lord, what do we do? I want all these people to have Cool Whip because they're your kids. You know, they get the extras. And I'm telling you, this is what happened. 
over and over and over till all, I mean, talking hundreds of pieces of pie, all had a good dollop of Cool Whip on it. How cool is that? How cool whip is that? <laughs> and then what was the other one just recently? Uh, the Lord's Land. The Lord's Land. Multiplication of food. And you were there. There you are. Aaron, isn't that true? It just kept, I don't know, how did it happen? I don't know. It kept happening. There was this multiplication of food. A lot of food kept coming. And there was leftover. They even came back and took food back to the store that they didn't need at the end. Um, it still happens today. But so it's, it's bringing it into the kingdom. Now, I want to say to all of you, I, I, have, I have a, this is confession time a little bit. Um, people have asked me through the years, what do you think about covering? You know, pastors talk about covering. What do you think about that? And I've always said, you know, you, Jesus is your covering, um, which is absolutely 100% true. But I just kind of said, you know, the whole idea of covering, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not that important. Um, I'm, I'm actually believing kind of differently now. Um, and, and I, again, sometimes the reason why we come up with what we come up with is sometimes a reaction to things. I saw, I saw the covering thing being used by pastors to manipulate, to control. Um, that's not a good, that's not a good reason for covering at all. But, but just recently, God's been showing me more and more about why it is important. First of all, let me say this. When we, Blazing Fire, myself as a person and Suzanne, as we came under Bill Johnson of Bethel Church in Reading, whoa. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the difference between the first church we planted and this one, huge difference. And, I, and it had much, much, much to do with choosing to align ourselves under the authority of Bill Johnson. And suddenly, what was his was ours. That's just the way of the kingdom. And um, and the reason why I'm bringing this up right now is because this whole idea of bringing something out of the world system and into the blessing, the Lord told me something just a week ago about because I'm asking him, I said, Lord, I, I want to do this all the time. How do I do this with all kinds of things in life? How do, I, how, do I, how do I put this under the blessing of your kingdom? Since I have the authority of Jesus to do that. And he's been showing me things. But he also said, and, Brent, it's not just for you. It's for all those who come under your covering. It's for all those who align themselves with you. you are li- I am literally, this is what the Lord was showing me. For all of those who are saying, we want to be part of this family. We want, to, we want to go along in this vision with you. He says, the Lord says, I'm doing this to all of you and going like this. That there's a, there's a release of the kingdom upon your dreams, upon your life. As you, are, as you are investing and saying, hey, Brent, love the vision, want to help you get there. But there is a reverse as, as the kingdom always works. It comes right around and blesses you back. It's like, there you are. There you are. I'm holding you under this kingdom blessing. So that's why it, it actually, and I'm going to talk more about this next week. We, we've talked so little here. I've talked, like I said, I've talked so little about money, about sowing and reaping, and why that's even important. Why is that in the scripture? Why, does, why is it talked about? It has a lot to do with the places that you sow is the very things that you're reaping back. 
And um, so I want to unapologetically say that as you, if for those of you who are saying, wow, Blazing Fire, what an amazing vision that I'm alive in this time to be part of this. As you sow into that, I, I am saying to you, you're going to directly receive back as, as you are placed in the kingdom, uh, you know, the, the, the kingdom flow where there is abundance, where there's always enough, where you get to go after your dreams. I'm here tonight to say you get to go after your dreams, that nothing can hold you back, that it is time. It's time to go after it. All right, I think I'm about done here. So, oh, capturing wealth God's way. Okay, last. this is the last one. I'll make this quick. So here's Peter, right? And, hey, Jesus, we got a problem. They want your taxes. Uh, your two drachma, you know. Jesus says, tell you what, why don't you go fishing? First fish you catch, go ahead and, you know, check out what's inside. There's going to be four drachma, two for you, two for me. We're all good to go. He said more than that, but that's a shortened version. <laughs> Why do I bring this up? I'm going to tell you again some things I've already told you, but you're going to see how it operates here. Jesus told him, go, go fish. He didn't, Peter's a fisherman. You getting this? He didn't tell Peter, hey, Peter, why don't you go get a bow and an arrow and look for the first pheasant you see and kind of pluck them out of the air Peter would be like, oh, crud, I don't even know how to shoot a bow and an arrow. Guess I'm going to have to go to bow and arrow school, you know, which maybe he... But Jesus, there were, he, he needed an answer right now. Jesus had him do something he was already good at. Are you getting this? He uses the things you're already good at. See, sometimes it's our answers are right in front of us and we're not seeing it. We're trying to think creatively beyond what, he, what is right in front of us. He's like, oh, no, it's right there. Okay, and, and um, oh gosh, there was so much more and I kind of forgot where, kind of all losing it right now. Well, you know what? Um, I already told you next week um, that next week I'm going to give you a lot more principles. I'm going to actually teach several more things that are going to be really practical ways for you to co-labor and to... Um, prosper for the sake of the kingdom. That's actually, that's actually his intent for us. Now, again, not to, not to scrape by. Now, let me just say this real quick. Can there be seasons where he's teaching us about faith and, and stretching us and where you know, he says, I want you just to wait and somebody's going to give you some money? Yes, he can. Absolutely. So I'm not saying that every time you have a need, you have to co-labor and you have to go do something and step out. Oh, that it's coming back. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus told him something very unusual. I told you sometimes it seems pretty unusual. He'll use the skills you have, but I'll tell you to do something unusual. Will you have the courage? Peter had the courage to step out and do it. All right. That's a little weird, Lord, but I know you just said it, so I'm going to go do it. Peter actually many times in his life. Next week, we're going to read about Peter in the boat and uh, the catch of fish and all that because he was willing to do that, uh, to do what the Lord said. So when God tells you something, you have to have the courage to step out and do it. And here's the last thing is just next week, I want to talk about partnering with God. Things like access to divine strategies, sowing and reaping, handling God's assignments. Um. I am still 100% all about 
the Father's massive approval. Um, Jesus did it all on the cross. You are accepted by the Father. You are loved. You are cherished. You are actually perfectly right with Him because of Christ. Nothing gets in the way of your relationship with Him. That's what I'm still all about. So don't be thinking, oh man, Brent's on this business thing and this is all we're going to hear for a while. No, it's like God's taking me and I believe all of us now to, he's saying, you got it. You got the message. That's awesome. Go give it away. Go give it away. And I'm going to give you really creative ways to do this. All right. Um, So let me just pray. Lord, I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, right now, would you remind people, remind each son or daughter in this room of some of the obvious things that they love doing? Some of the things that, that make them sore, that make them smile. When they're doing these things, they feel alive again. Just remind them. And would you begin to show them how you're going to use the very thing that they love doing, the things that they love doing. You're going to give them creative ideas as to how to actually use these things for the sake of the kingdom. And creative downloads for many as to how you are going to prosper them through this for the sake of the kingdom. And thank you, Lord, that you are the God who provides more than for the dreams that we have. More than enough. God says to each one of you, son, daughter, I have more than enough. I have more than enough ideas. I have more than enough resources. Ask me. Come closer to me. Get my heart for why you're alive. Get my heart for how you get to release what I've given you to the world. And let's go. Because I'm going to give you some ideas, so let's go. And I pray over each one of you courage for the journey. Strength and courage for the journey. You have God's permission to dream again. In fact, I'd, I would just like you to say out loud, God, you have given me dreams. And you have given me permission to live out those dreams. And you are the God of all provision provision. 
to resource those dreams. I receive your courage to go after my dreams for the sake of your kingdom. To help people. To love people. To draw people to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. More next week. Um, I would like to ask if the healing prayer team would come forward or the, the prayer teams, if whoever's on today, yeah, come on up. Um, there should be numerous of you moving. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. No worries. Um, from either half of the team, you can come on up. Here, here's why. Because if you came here tonight, if you're needing, um, if you're needing the Lord to um, heal you physically, if you're needing uh, just some uh, encouragement, um, you know, something's going on and you need prayer, we want to make sure you get that. I'll tell you why. Because agreement matters to God. In heaven, when we agree with his heart, something happens. Something really powerful happens. Part of the reason why we see people get healed is because we pray for it to happen. We agree with God's heart for it to happen. So um, so at this point, I just want to um, bless you all and um, release you with the joy of Jesus to keep following the steps he gives you, the next steps he gives you. And if you need prayer, I invite you to come this way and come get that. All right? Blessings.